Hi, thanks for checking out One Debate, a bi-weekly podcast where we strive to help you become the best person at your table. If you like what you hear, please like, review, and subscribe to our podcast so we can help others like you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We also have a YouTube channel for those of you who would like to listen there. New episodes come out every other Monday. I'm Jacob, and as always, we're here with our resident DM, Gabe. Hello. What are we talking about today, Jacob? We're going to get into things like Nokia's and film industry and mm. not actually that. We're we're talking the about indestructible lens. cell phone. We're talking about lens. Okay. Lens. Now, when we say lens, Gabe, what do you mm-hmm. think we mean? Well, I would assume that it is perhaps the viewpoint that you take for your campaign. Yeah, I would say that that's pretty uh, pretty spot on in a lot of games like uh, Urban Shadows, PBTA. Uh, mm-hmm. Each session, like each uh, section of the game is called a scene. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny that you don't really think about it like that in dungeons and dragons i don't think i don't think that people think about each interaction being a scene in itself yeah and i think that that is what's really big for like rpg style campaigns to to frame it in the sense that you are in a scene you're you are a character in the scene what is going to advance the story what's going to advance the plot yeah yeah, no, that's it's it's something that we recently covered because we played in your PBTA game. But um, it's something I it's another one of those little things for D and D that I had to organically come to, mm-hmm. um, coming to realize that the narrative flow of a session of D and D can be ignored. It was something that I was striving to achieve, and this is in part because of um, Chris Perkins' notes on how to DM. In, in those notes, he goes on to describe uh, when you're doing notes, take chunks of your, your planned session and describe them as events. So in, in my mind, even in my notes to this day, I still actually write out, oh, this is event one, this is event two, this is event three. And in those, I, I write the sort of, whether it be chronological or however the players are going to come upon the event, uh, I write out the major narrative episode to that moment and i was never calling it a scene and coming upon pbta with you it's just it's framed beautifully and it's very simple to follow and you you just innately understand as a dm or an mc like okay we keep the tension and the flow and the pacing of this game by framing all of these events into these neat little scenes and i think it's kind of a no-brainer that i i wish was more of a focus for DD. Well, I, I think that it's nice that PBTA s- states it specifically as a scene mm-hmm. because of the fact that it really helps your game flow better when you think of it as a scene. Because in the first session, you saw that it kind of just, like, each scene kind of dragged on because the mm-hmm. actions weren't really... Everybody was kind of just pussyfooting around. And yeah. um, no one really had a general direction, and that was my fault. But as the, uh, as the campaign progressed, I started to just think, okay, Gabe and Greg already had like three minutes in here. I need to start wrapping this one up and moving to the next person. Mm. And yeah. that's, that's, like, that's the thing about PPTA in general. It says to create chaos uh, and to keep everything kind of moving. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when you think of it in those terms in that sense it really just makes the game go go more organically Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you're you're introducing that cause and effect the tensions that keep the the game moving forward um do you think there's any negatives to uh, not using scenes what would you describe a game without a dungeon master or an mc developing scenes for sequence of play what would you like, have you ever played in a game where things were incoherent? Yeah, I mean, 
I think that that inherently happens with any new DM in general, uh, mm-hmm. like any kind of homebrew campaign where you don't have a module to go off of, where mm-hmm. you need to kind of have a strong presence, where your characters are just kind of standing around and just not really knowing what's going on in general. Uh, that one shot that me and you did where we were at the at the ball, uh, mm-hmm. we had all these things that we could do, and after like what five ten minutes i was going around to random npcs just trying to figure out if i could suss anything out and everybody else was just like i don't know what we're supposed to be doing yeah so so in this case uh two hands off or uh, too much freedom perhaps not not enough guidance yep and that's that's the thing as a dm you don't need to force your will upon the players, but you need to kind of gently guide them into the right direction if you sense that nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how would you go about creating a scene, Gabe? How would you, how would you start that? That is a great question, Jacob. And just bear with me one moment while I change my battery. No worries. He curses under his breath as he realizes he'll have to edit. Nah. Uh, I would, I typically, I always begin a scene with as much foundation laying as I can possibly manage. Um, and what that translates to when I was learning to DM was I would find myself getting panicked and lost in a scene uh, or perhaps a transition to another scene where I would be just letting worry get to me about how I'm describing something or the pieces that need to fall together. So what I do now is I write descriptions for the the points of interest that I know are coming up in my game. And you achieve that knowledge by talking to your party after sessions and making sure that you have game plans with them. But these uh, foundation descriptions are just simple paragraph blurbs about uh, the physicality of the location. Uh, and I try and give some extra information in those. and that just lets me ground myself mm-hmm. in the scene. And it, it's it's just like we talked about when we're prepping worlds and we're building descriptions or we're building the, the foundation of a region. We're, you know, populating a map and we think to ourselves, you know, uh, what's, what's a big deal to this town? Well, you can look at the environment and say, okay, they're close to a mountain, they're close to a river. Kind of the same thing. Uh, when I am able to ground myself in the players in a description i can say uh who's here what do they desire what plot points are my party you know all looking for together and then i have a a, the framework of the scene is already created and that's typically what i do i think that that's a smart idea just because of the sense that like in your like first couple of sessions you don't really Mm -hmm. have unless you're you and me who prep kind of religiously beforehand yeah Yeah. um you don't really have that kind of sense as to what the players really are going for or Mm -hmm. what the characters rather because the players might have something in mind but um like for urban shadows with that with the first session i Mm -hmm. started everybody off in different locations in the city and like with brian i said you were walking down the street where where were you like where are you right now and he said i'm just walking down the street yelling uh at my cell phone i'm like all right cool let's start there like what what's going on Uh and he described the scene and then i told him that two people were staring at him already adding complications yeah yeah exactly like you need to Mm. be able to find a way to organically throw something in like that Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of jump start your plot yeah yeah um when you're looking at that scene because you you had brian tell you where he was so essentially handed the lens or at least the narrative start to a player which is another thing that pbta is unique for in comparison to D, i think um how did you choose what to describe in that scene I'm in the camp of really only describing the things that are important. I'm not mm-hmm. a very descriptive 
MC in general. I'll tell you the weather if you ask for it. I'll tell you yeah. um, what the mood of everybody around you is like. But I've always been on the mindset of if it isn't important to the plot, if it isn't important to the story, you don't really need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I only brought attention to the two men that were standing behind Brian or that were standing across the street from Brian rather and mm-hmm. he immediately like latched onto that and went towards them but yeah, yeah. if that wasn't the case then I'd have had to intervene a little bit more and push them towards each other they're now in front of you <laughs> putting themselves in your line of sight roll roll uh keep your cool <laughs> <laughs> you're being flashed you know uh, by the werewolves but that's that's just kind of the thing now mm-hmm. um i had the issue of knowing when to zoom out in the okay. in the first session yeah and i think that that's something that we really should talk about because that's one of the problems with ppta if you're if you have a lot of players that are a little bit hesitant to do anything Mm-hmm. You're, the the scenes start to feel a little bit stagnant. Oh, absolutely. Um, zooming out. So I, I guess we should talk about zoom in general. Um, I often equate the the sort of unspoken narration, which of course in D and D is all words. It's all spoken. Uh, it's kind of like a camera lens in a TV show, mm-hmm. because essentially what you're doing. Uh, is looking at a scene and describing things in the scene as though you were a camera looking at something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that PBTA in particular re- relies on the MC being very reactive, very improvisational. And think that young DMs would really find that system daunting in that regard. Uh, because they they can't ground themselves quite the same. Like I do a lot of behind the scenes legwork to ground myself. Uh, And I think that we end up sharing the lens when I can do that. And then when you're improv, you're you're forced to choose that zoom. You can't spend some time beforehand setting it up. So I guess when when you talk about you needed to zoom out, were you too zoomed in and what did that mean? So, it, it, I'm going to describe how I look at zooming in and zooming out mm-hmm. um, and even just the system in general I look at the system now the players get to choose playbooks right um, when I hear the word playbook I, I think of like a script right I think of it in movie terms and okay. I, I think that I'm looking at um uh what is it a a play or uh what is it called when a screenwriter does something and then they're reading off of the off of the paper i thought Where, it was just a script is it a script it, it there's so. another there's another term okay. too but um the like, written word when they're when they're looking <laughs> in the when they're in the reading room like going through it they yeah the the scene is set as like outside mm-hmm. um character is walking down street character is approached by two men who are angry like that's yeah. how i look at it right like i i look at it very much like it's movie um yeah. and then i envision it as though it's an actual camera lens that we're jumping from one scene to the next that I'm doing cutscenes. That's what I mean by mm-hmm. zooming out and moving into a different area. Um, okay. So you, you felt that you needed to shift scenes faster or yeah. more frequently? Yeah, more frequently. Okay. And, and uh, as soon as I felt that stagnation, with you in yeah. particular, uh, your starting scene where you were cooking, like we, we did that for way longer than what we should have done it for uh but i think that's because we were both kind of feeling each other out oh yeah for sure um and then i think that i was also a little bit 
in some senses a little bit too quick to jump to the next scene just because i wanted to make sure that everybody had the same amount of of playtime yeah yeah and that's another thing that you need to be a little bit wary of like letting Mm -hmm. things develop organically but also knowing when you need to sit back and or jump in rather yeah i i think it's funny that you you say it the way you did because either way it's equally as important knowing when to just sort of zoom out a little bit and let the players take the spotlight and then knowing when you need to zoom in and say hey um we're kind of we're stagnating here we need to move towards something more productive to the narrative i mean you obviously don't say that but you know you introduce something to the scene that can push it along um I, I think it's PBTA, the way that we started all in different sequences, uh, you don't get as much practice with that in d and I don't think 5th edition is as accessible to splitting the party. Um, it's Because you, you say like, oh, you had the ability to control how long you spent on each of us, basically, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with D&D it can be a lot more challenging to find those those points where you can depart from a story mm-hmm. uh, and and maintain tension between multiple scenes and i think that's i think it's an art that you sort of develop the muscle for the more you do it so i always encourage my players to split the party um some of the most fun i've ever had is in curse of strahd when you have a uh, half the party upstairs and half the party downstairs in in a haunted mansion and you can just ping pong back and forth and just do cliffhanger after cliffhanger until your players just want to throw something at you. It's but... nice that you talked about the cliffhangers though, because you like mm-hmm. you have to be a little bit careful in, in that regard because mm-hmm. you can't have like this super looming, daunting cliffhanger and then not yeah. have it get resolved for mm-hmm. another 10, 15 minutes. Like either you need to <laughs> resolve everything or you need to have like a little cliffhanger, like a tiny, a tiny yeah. cliff. Oh yeah, I had. They were. They would be so trite. They would be simple things like, you move toward the bed. There's a figure under the covers, but it's not stirring. You reach a hand out. The eyes peel back on the you know the sunken flesh of the skull. Okay, uh, Jake, we're back to you now. <laughs> and then they would get back to that scene, and it would be like. Oh, yeah, it was just a bug crawling out of the eye. <laughs> um, but you, you can torture your players like this a little bit. And then when they start to get complacent or used to these, oh, Gabe's just doing it again, then you give them the real big cliffhanger. Uh, and you, you know. And then you, you wait you until next episode. The, yeah, yeah, you get used to the tempo. Um, yeah. That's all I was going to say. Oh, I thought you were going to say something and then I started talking. I was like, oh, no. Um, yeah yeah i it's it's hard it's it's a hard thing to know when to do that and when not to do that and Mm -hmm. it's also like i said you you can't have anything like too 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 dramatic because your feel your players might feel a little bit disengaged they might not mm-hmm. be able to engage just as much because it it hasn't just it hasn't just happened. They've already yeah. had time to like think about everything, and they're like, "All right, well," mm-hmm. and you lose kind of that effect that you had if you only waited two three minutes to to resolve it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why it can work so well in D anD D because you you can keep pushing those miniature cliffhangers as long as you're only doing this to the party once every 10 games um because then it's it's, even if it's just one session it's like you know i'm jerking the players around a lot but i i've only done this once for the campaign Mm -hmm. and and then it gives the episode itself a very fresh flavor and i think that that is something that we're simply achieving with lens it's choosing what and when to focus on in the game and through those descriptions, we're creating tension, and then we're pulling the lens away forcibly to disrupt uh, that complacency that can grow in a campaign. And I think that that is something that's often easily overlooked by DMs when they are 
looking at how they run games, how they keep their campaigns fresh. I don't think we've ever mentioned like, oh, well, have you considered changing lenses during during game? Uh, and that it's it's a hard one to articulate. Absolutely. I mean, I think that me and you are just pretty good at doing it. Um, mm-hmm. That it's just become kind of second nature. Um, yeah. But when we were prepping for this, me and you kind of have have a little bit of a well, like had a little bit of a hard time prepping just because like it, it is it's hard to articulate what we're talking yeah. about because everyone's like yeah like you're role playing that's what you're doing that's like mm-hmm. no no duh um but yeah like for example in one of our notes you have the zoom of a scene the zoom of narrative the zoom of prepping um mm-hmm. and then you're talking about a a guard like yeah. and zooming into the guard stat block and then zooming into the guard story and like i think that a lot of players might or not players but a lot of new dms might have the issue of zooming in too much and Mm -hmm. in that sense we're talking about like over prepping one tiny thing that's not even going to really matter in the grand scheme of things yeah yeah and i think that's a big contributor to burnout uh it's a big contributor to frustration especially from a dm because then you start to look at all these intricate little details that you've developed and you ask yourself why aren't my players focusing on these why aren't they exploring all this work i'm doing and that's when we go back to collaboration and we say look if you really want to zoom in on some things talk to your players and see what they want you to zoom in on and then do the zooming in because if you're doing this all by yourself and you come up with these grand stories in your head and you never get to explore them you can grow to resent your game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was, you know, I've made all the, everything we talk about. I've, I've done wrong, and that's why I know to talk about it. Um, and I'm guilty of that as well. Well, I mean, we're not saying that we're perfect. That's oh, that's yeah. the that's the other thing. I mean, like, we can we can talk until we're blue in the face, but we're gonna still make mistakes. We're still human. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, actually, it's it's funny. I haven't brought up childcare in a while on this, but um, one of the things that Miranda used to tell me is that when you're doing like a project with kids, the idea of it kind of gets a lot of people get frustrated because you want like a completed you want a completed project, but that's mm-hmm. not actually the point of the the craft. The point yeah. of the craft is the progress, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, I think that you can kind of tie it into this as well. Um, you don't want to have something so completed that you're working on it for 40 hours and then mm-hmm. you get to do the session and everything is like all tied in a little bow and then you get so mad because a player yeah. derails it by not wanting to do anything that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is a good, a good way to say, like, oh, you're being too forcible with your lens. You are trying to focus on the things that you zoomed in on earlier, the things that you want to see, the things that you want to narrate and you want to experience instead of what the players want to. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful analogy because I think it might be a little off topic, but I, I mean, I have definitely set expectations for a game and you can use that analogy very well to say, you know, I, the DM or teacher, you have an expectation of these final moments of the game, of this epic finale conclusion. You you think you know how it's going to all play out, but all your players wanted to do was show up and pal around and have a blast with each other. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't care about that ending of that story. Um, they want to equally command the lens occasionally. And one more fun analogy of childcare, just because of not having. <laughs> what? Uh, I know, I know. Um, another thing that Miranda has actually said is like, if you're gonna if you're gonna color, if you're gonna do any kind of painting pro- uh, project with the kids, and you want to make it look beautiful, you shouldn't give the kids like eight different colors to color with, because what do you think they're gonna do with it? They're gonna blend it all together, and it's gonna turn black. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So give them two colors give them like give them a white and give them a red 
you could watch you can watch them mix it around and change it to different colors different shades of pink or mm-hmm. you could do blue and yellow and have them blend it together and get green but don't give them everything because at that point it's going to just turn into a black mess yeah yeah no that's that's a great point and also a great argument for why you should or can ban source books <laughs> that you don't like i agree with that though like i i yeah. don't know i i don't think that um the multiverse of monsters should be allowed but that's because i'm old school and i don't think that you should be able to play a an orc yeah yeah Vol- volos um it's it, oh, it's all fair. Yeah, yeah but i mean there are some monstrous races in other books too um i would classify gith and gith yankee as probably monstrous um yeah. but I think that the analogies come up so often because we are describing two subsets of people that have wildly different expectations sometimes. Um, you know, we're, we're completely thinking of the game in a different way. And I think that lends itself nicely to lens because we are looking at different things or we desire to look at different things. The only thing is that DMs can hold their players hostage if mm-hmm. they're not careful with how they're using the lens. It's uh, true. You, you command a, a lot of influence and power. Uh, I would just say, in like to go back to my last analogy, it, it's pretty much saying simplify your process, simplify yeah. things. Um, mm-hmm. You don't need to have five thousand things completed. You could just have two or three, and it'll make your life a lot easier. It'll make the players' lives a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you have to, if you have to improvise a situation, what can you do, Gabe? you can panic and or it all falls table. apart in your hands or oh, use yeah. a table yeah that that's what i meant to say <laughs> um i do actually set up tables um just for our game coming up i have navigation tables they're very simple it's when i say tables i don't mean like panic and google like random tables and end up injecting a beholder into the middle of your small town or something um why not so these these do take i mean you could but your players are gonna die. <laughs> yeah, it was just a dream. <laughs> Game sad corner. How to get your players to hate you in these three easy steps: one, focus only on the gnome boobies. Oh, Two, what? Let the beholder lens. You're holding your players hostage. We can cut all this, right? I don't You're know what's going on. No, I'm not. You know that um yeah yeah now that we just got a little bit you just got me off topic 100 um now there's a lot of information in dungeons and dragons there's a lot of information that you can use yes um how do you go about sharing the information that you feel is pertinent that the players need that is a great question. Um, I think just like you're seeing with the werewolf guys, you know, accosting uh, Brian's character. I think it's... Brian accosted them. Fair enough. His presence was accosting everyone <laughs> in the city of Chicago. <laughs> but um, I, I think that it's it's important to put the most prominent thing that needs to be interacted with in the scene as part of your description. Um Beyond that, I do like to describe other things. I think that there is uh, a complacency that you can hit where you you just begin to only describe the things that you want your players to interact with, and that can be a danger uh, because you know then they become complacent. They might stop asking, "Is there something else that I can interact with?" Uh, every now and then, you want to throw those little things out there that they can you know that just makes things feel more alive than mm-hmm. just your story um but focus on the primary objectives you know what do your players want describe those needs and you really can't go wrong with that uh in a pinch in a panic if i'm describing like a travel moment and i it's improvised i will look at a map that i have pre-prepared and i will say oh you pass by this place that you've been you pass by the smithy uh, that your brother owns you pass by the founder's fountain and then you can 
take these, you're like Pac-Man. You're just like eating your way across a line, describing little things briefly that exist to ground the party in the moment. And then when you arrive, uh, you focus on the details and hopefully the objectives that they wanted to explore. So what I like, you've talked about my newscast a lot. Yes. And um, before I get into the newscast, I want to say now with Brian's thing, um, mm-hmm. I described those those people. If Brian mm-hmm. didn't want to interact with those people, I said already that I would have had found a way to get them to interact with them. But I'm yes. not the person that's saying, hey, if your players want to go do something else, let them mm-hmm. do something else. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Um if you said if a player said hey is there something else that i can interact with guess what guess i have to improvise exactly like, that's that's just the nature of being a dungeon master you, yeah you have to be able to think on your feet you have to be able to to give the players what they want mm-hmm. um my newscast really kind of just told the story of what was going on in chicago and mm-hmm. i did something different with the last newscast because uh greg's character we hadn't been doing anything with his plot so i interjected right there greg's main story element which is that he needed to find the owners of his of his uh bar establishment Mm -hmm. um and i thought that that was a good way to do it because everybody then would have seen it Mm -hmm. and also he knows that they're alive and he knows that they want him to find him or he wants they yeah. want him to find them yeah i i think a part of why i love your newscast so much is maybe it it gave me a, a sense of security in the game in the narrative flow because it, it was that same thing that i do with the beginning of my scenes i didn't realize it but you were grounding us in the story you were giving us the lens of what we needed to focus on mm-hmm. you're giving us our objectives uh and i've i've just always been very very smitten with it because not only is it the lens, you know, the, the opening scene of the movie, but it's also just giving us so much narrative information. Uh, it's the city move, which D&D does not have. They don't tell you, and we've discussed this, oh, time to focus on what's happening in the background. Um, and this just shines the lens right on it. And I think it's it's wonderful. I, now, like, it's funny because if I was doing, like, a play-by-post game, I wouldn't use a newscast. I would actually use a newspaper. Um, mm, it, it's weird okay. that I that I change it based off of like the medium of how I'm playing the game, but because I'm looking at it that we're all reading off of words, I would have like, I and I have done this. I go and find like a newspaper app, and like write out stories, mm-hmm. and like send it to the players before the game starts. That's very cool but i like that a lot i think something that we we forgot to focus on as we were sort of bumbling through (laughs) my unfortunate segue um was over description the lens Mm -hmm. because i've already said like okay you can hold your your uh your party hostage with lens but what does that mean necessarily how can that mess up pacing um if there's something tense going on are you focusing on the right things? Are you pushing the pacing correctly? Uh, what is something that you do to make sure that the pacing of a tense scene can continue as far as like what you as a MC or DM are focusing on? So it depends on the scene. Honestly, mm-hmm. it, it really depends on the scene. Uh, if you guys are fighting, if you guys are fighting, I don't know, 20 werewolves in a park because that <laughs> hasn't happened, um, <laughs> I would jump around sporadically like i wouldn't give you guys time to think i would say okay hey uh leon roll hey uh this werewolf is coming after you uh hey hey ashley um what are you doing now because there's somebody right behind you like yeah you need to be a little bit like in in that situation you have to be a little bit um sporadic you need to be a little bit more quick than you want to be and I think that that adds to the tension because I'm not giving anybody a, enough time to really think about anything. I'm, I'm putting them into that position. I'm putting them in that mindset like, oh, man, we're actually surrounded. Like, what are we going to do? 
Now, yeah. other situations, like if you're crawling through a uh, a dungeon and it's super tense because of like the lighting and how dark it is or jump scare. Yeah. You yeah. know? Like movies do all these stupid things but they do them because they get emotions out they're of effective. out of exactly they're effective yeah yeah i mean clichés I, I i have said it before i will say it a million times clichés the most cliche moment in your favorite horror movie is probably phenomenally effective in D&D mm -hmm. um and I, I really like what you're discussing before, uh, keeping your players on your toes, the pacing. I think that something that is often under overlooked, uh, as far as lens descriptions, is also how you're you're behaving as a, as a person when you're delivering these words to your players. Um, your voice, your the the pressure that you're putting on your players time wise, the dialogue you're using, the words you're using. Intense moments when I'm describing something, I slow my voice. I deepen it a little bit. I take the time to describe very slowly what the player is going to see behind that thin piece of cloth. You know, it's just everything you can do. And I think the music you're playing, um, it all really does come together in almost a cliche way. It's like, it's super cheesy. If this was the narration during Blair Witch Project, people would be laughing their way out the theater. But... You'd be amazed at the, the reactions you can get from players that are really invested by mm -hmm. doing these. That's that's a thousand percent fair. Um, with a situation that I don't understand why no one actually thought it was like as serious of a thing was right after that last newscast. Mm -hmm. um, Greg got the password for the Find My iPhone for the yeah. figs, right? But Greg was taking forever to, to move. And I was like, hey, buddy, just what? so you know, your phone's pinging. It's saying that you only have 10% battery left. That is your mm -hmm. only opportunity to be able to find the figs. So, oh, and also, guess what? The power just went out. So, yeah. and it's, he's it's, <laughs> the DM is flashing the lights like, come home. <laughs> like, You're out too late. It's past curfew. But that's exactly that's exactly how I felt. I was like, "Yeah, I just handed this situation to you. Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. Would you say that that's kind of not just narratively focusing? Because we did. You said earlier you felt the necessity to give that moment to Greg because he hadn't had that much uh, like meat on the story. Um, would you say that in a long term campaign that you would perhaps choose different players to give that information to knowing that they might goof off less or or be more immediately aware of the the importance of the situation or is that just life i would have seeded that a little bit differently in a longer term campaign i would have given clues to a whole bunch of different people um mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different npcs would have had information um, but the thing is, Greg wasn't really asking any of the NPCs for information on the figs. Um, yeah. Now, if he had the opportunity to do it, maybe he, it would have went by a little bit faster. But mm -hmm. um, he, the answer is yes, I would have done things differently. Uh, okay. The story wouldn't have I... advanced as quickly either. But because yeah, of it yeah. being as... Um, as short of a, of a session as it was it kind of needed mm -hmm. to be but yeah no I, I i agree a lot um and i i think that perhaps that's the the you know the reason why no, nothing there ran super smoothly was just because we didn't quite achieve that emotional investment that i think is it just happens in shorter games like mm -hmm. we had four sessions realistically with some hiccups in between but like four games is not a lot of time and he was probably not as emotionally attached to those NPCs as you would hope by the end of a campaign. Well, he had even said like he didn't think that he thought that the game was going to be more investigative mm -hmm. and that's why he picked that specific playbook. Yeah, yeah. Um and it just so happened that 
one of the other players ended up picking a playbook that's legitimately a murder hobo yeah. so like it it kind of just took it took a turn and i kind of just went with it yeah yeah you you have to um because again you know we've been talking all this time about how to let your players have fun and do what they want to do um so i i think you did really well in that regard um you already said that you actually provide narration outside of game through your newspaper mm-hmm. um i i was going to ask you how you did that but i i guess we already know do you do any other ways uh i mean not really uh in the beginning of the campaign when i'm like getting all that background information off of people i would ask like what are your favorite things to do around the city what are like what's what is your character typically doing around this time or like um what can this person be found doing while they're at work blah 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 um Mm -hmm. and then i would use that information later on but um no i don't really do much narration out out of games i look at it as your time is valuable you're giving me your time already for an hour or so um mm-hmm. i'm not gonna bother you about the game unless you unless i like specifically ask you about it beforehand um, oh, i endlessly bother all of my players now i did give i did give like information about like the willis tower yeah the, yeah uh, a day before the campaign but i don't think anybody like looked at it so it's okay i know that you did it <laughs> okay but i wasn't about to roll a deception check right now yeah uh, well your eyes gave it away i do that on purpose see i'm we're talking about lens i knew you were looking at me i did the physical reaction to give you evidence anyway uh, i like to provide recorded snippets um oftentimes i will write out little scripts of scenes that the players could never possibly know that will involve like villains or something um to explain these sort of city city movements and i'll i'll post them unlisted to youtube send my players the link so they can listen in or watch um and then i get to enjoy them squirming not being able to metagame with the information that they possibly could not have had so that's that's something i like to do as well um certainly not a necessary thing but huzzah huzzah (laughs) any information is good information i mean it sounds interesting i've i haven't been a part of any kind of campaign that you've done since you first started being a, a dm so i'm interested to see how drastic of a change your DMing style is. Me too. Not saying that in a bad way. Oh, I understand. I mean, my, my style has changed every campaign I've run. Um, so I, I am interested as well. Your players I'm are really also looking... different this time around yeah. too. Oh man, I've I've had 40 players since we played last. That's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. six years of D&D. That is a lot. Yeah. N- um so we've kind of talked about most of everything i think that Mm -hmm. the last thing that we might have already touched on a little bit but not really um shops buildings yeah um you're talking about scenes right um Mm -hmm. a lot of now i think of like old cartoons like ed ed and eddie like the background of these (laughs) of these uh episodes I don't know if you remember Ed, Ed, and Eddie at all, but, um, so the, the background was, like, just this, like, crudely drawn background with, like, and then all of it was, like, kind of the same color in the back, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of what can happen if you don't describe yeah, your buildings. Absolutely. Like, it's just kind of like a, a beige portrait uh 2d portrait in the background yeah yeah that's it's it's a great example because we are talking about lens and the creators of ed ed and eddie decided you know what they don't even need to to realize they're not just looking at a piece of paper for this animation (laughs) 
Uh, I what is it? Peanuts, where the parents when they talk, it's yeah, it's the peanuts. It's uh, yeah. it's the teacher. Yeah. So it's you know the creators of that decided that information does not matter. Maybe they were saying more than that, but you have to decide if your campaign, if you're okay with your lens, literally just being like they you smeared Vaseline across the top of it, and you're saying look at these things only children <laughs> or if you can afford to add that extra extra step well it's 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 more like making an immersive world right like uh mm-hmm. tv sitcoms um i think the fresh prince of bel-air was probably filmed in front of a live studio audience excuse me for a minute oh chicago i think that the fresh prince of bel-air was uh <laughs> was filmed in front of a live studio audience i might be wrong about that um kenan and kel was definitely filmed in front of a live studio audience um and in those senses the scenes you wouldn't be able to tell because it's a 3d world like yeah they go up the stairs but do they actually go anywhere no Hmm. but you don't know that yeah you see evidence that it works that the that the stairs work um same thing with uh that 70s show you see evidence that that the doors lead some other place Mm -hmm. but when they're outside they're actually filming on a location because they need the they need the saying to actually be real Mm -hmm. and that's the same thing with describing anything outside you kind of need to like you talked about it a little bit about like describing the the blacksmith or describing the yeah. market like you need to give a little bit of these hints these these clues just to make yourself feel like the world's a little bit real you could describe mm-hmm. the aroma of the food trucks in the alley or yeah. um the the sound of your feet bouncing off of the the alleyway from the tiny yeah. from the tiny passage between the two buildings yeah the five senses are are really important um i think kind of what we're discussing now is almost uh it's it's like a dial on realism versus necessity or or, you know what what are you focusing on and you have to figure out what that dial needs to be do you have the luxury is the tension low enough are the players invested in this new area enough to listen to you go into overdrive on these descriptions is it pertinent is it healthy for the story to focus on more realism than plot device and then is the tension a little bit higher are the players losing investment does the scene seem to be stagnating no then to transition to more plot information more pertinence on the necessity of driving the game forward and I, I think that's a, a dial that you need to constantly be aware of. And I think the five senses, uh, points of interest, everything in between, it's it's all important to getting a healthy scene. 100%. Um, and I think that that's also another area that we kind of can go back to over uh, describing. Because mm-hmm. if you are describing every sense, you're going to become overwhelmed. The players are going to yeah. become overwhelmed. No one's going to know what's going on. Uh, you mm-hmm. still have to keep everything coherent. You you don't yeah. need to just simplify, just simplify. Yeah. Uh, give your players white and green, or mm-hmm. white and red. Let them paint. Let them do beautiful things, um, but don't give them all the colors because then everything's going to turn into a black mess. Yeah, no, that's that's a great description, a great analogy. Um, I mean, I I would love to just keep talking about it, but. I think I think that's that's hitting the nail on the head there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess if I had to add anything, maybe bear in mind that it's it's kind of like how I said earlier how uh, splitting the party, having those multiple scene transitions, that might be fun for one episode. Um, it might be fun to take the moment to focus on something really important and over describe it intentionally. Um, but bear in mind if you are doing this. You might be seeing your player's eyes glaze over. Like if you're if you're doing this constantly, um, just always be adjusting that dial. Uh, there there probably is a perfect medium, but know that you can stray in either direction. But try not to stray in the same direction too much. 
one more thing before we end because we're actually close on time um okay and it's something that we actually don't have written down that i actually think is very important for the health of your game and the health of your players and the health of yourself dms need to be cognizant of the players outside of the game as well um if you feel everybody kind of getting antsy you know what would be great getting a commercial break just taking 10 minutes go get something to eat go get go get some water go go walk around um it might not just be it might not be that they're annoyed with you describing everything they just might be annoyed that they've been sitting there for three hours and no one's given and you haven't given them one break yeah yeah so keep it keep the health of your game in mind keep the health of your mental health in mind keep the health of everybody in mind mm-hmm. and take breaks even though i don't believe in them if they ask nicely <laughs> uh <laughs> but do you have anything to add to that no i i think that's a, a really good point that we didn't think of um because you really should be thinking of your game as you know more than just the scenes of course that we're focusing on but the actual session itself how well are you scheduling uh, are you taking time to interact with your players outside of the game appropriately too because mm-hmm. that that does carry over you might not think of it as narrative lens but um health of the game that's whew, we could probably talk about that sometime soon yeah probably but we also have the benefit of playing with all of our friends so. true sure now if you like what you heard and you're interested in maybe hearing some of the uh, Powered by the Jacob game, mm-hmm. you can go check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash OneDebate. You could also find other things there, like the secret, the super secret invite to our Discord core channel. <laughs> um... Maybe you will also find unedited episodes. Hmm. You could hear this episode a week early. Ooh. There's a whole bunch of things. I'm, I play in your game, Jake. Patreon.com slash OneDebate. Now, if you like what you heard, please like, <laughs> listen, and... <laughs> I almost said describe. Please like, listen... <laughs> And share our podcast so we could help others like you. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every other Monday. As always, I'm Jacob. And I'm Gabe. And this was 1D Bait. Yeah.